You are watching episode 95 of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. Today we have a random smorgasbord of topics. I'll talk about the NHL somewhere in there. We'll probably talk some random wrestling and other things. If that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. I like to really bring it as far as the enthusiasm is concerned, especially on that intro. I'm Carlos. That's Dave. Yay. I I think the random smorgasbord of topics, maybe you could rework the intro and just put that in it. Of random smorgasbord of topics? Yeah, right? Like that, it feels like for the last several weeks, that's been what we've been talking about. Or at least you've used that phrasing. So, hey. Listen, the thing is, it is accurate. And also the fact of the matter is, um, yeah, there's things going on in the sports world, but at the same time, it's, my my wandering eye goes back and forth between different things because it's like I'm not sitting there dedicated watching one thing. Like when I say I touch on the NHL thing, there's a couple of specific stories in the NHL thing that interest me. Like my team is just on the cusp of elimination at this point. I'll still watch the playoffs. I've watched some games here and there, but I'm not watching dedicatedly. But I do love a story. If there's a good story, I'm interested. That And that's the area that I'm going to focus on. But anyway, how was the week? Yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, but doing like obviously the work thing is the work thing, and then working from home and all that jazz. Uh, you know, family's good. But I've uh, been doing a lot of reading, and I'm actually inter- I'll, this is one thing I'll share. I'm actually reading a very interesting book. At least I think it's called Conspiracy, uh, and it's not about a conspiracy theory or conspiracy theories. It's about an actual like legal definition conspiracy. Uh, but basically, it's about. How familiar are you? Because I don't want to get into too much detail. If you're, I'm very, very familiar with Tom Brady allegedly winning Super Bowls. It yeah, is a conspiracy. Fair enough. I agree. There you go. No, but uh, Peter Thiel and bringing down Gawker. Bringing down Gawker vaguely peripherally. Okay, so basically, what happened is, if 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 you know you know the general thing that's out there, um, Gawker went bankrupt. Was a like a, a gossip website, yeah, or a series of websites that you know, did a lot of gossipy things. They did, they did actually get some legit news in there and broke some stories, but most of the time it was just, you know, throw things and see what sticks, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of the thing, the biggest thing they became famous for was putting up a Hulk Hogan sex tape and he sued because of that and he won and the settlement bankrupted Gawker. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. However, Hulk Hogan's legal fees were funded by a billionaire named Peter Thiel, founder of PayPal who uh, was pissed off for something Gawker had posted about him years ago, uh, like before the legal thing went down. And so it's like all about the machinations of how this went down and how he went about trying to bring Gawker down, uh, which is, which is quite interesting. Like all the behind the scenes stuff and the, you know, all the pieces that sort of had to go right for it to work from a legal perspective, but how he basically met this person they're calling Mr. A and how he was like, give me $10 million and I'll bring down Gawker for you kind of thing. And how it all, how it all pieced together. So I'm about halfway through it right now. But it's, it's, it's quite interesting, and especially if you're into like the legal aspect of things. Uh, it, it's really interesting in, in, in that aspect too. So I've been you know, doing a lot of reading and that, that's what I'm on now. Look at you. Somebody's enjoying his conspiracies. Indeed. How about you, man? Uh, not too bad. Work. Uh, a lot of overtime this week. Uh, just a lot of uh, project work that needed to be done. Doing a couple of things. Uh, basically, just what little downtime I have. I'm catching up on my reading. Reading on existentialist philosophy, as I, nice. as I do um, from time to time. But the uh, the other aspect of it is just working on the... Uh, trying to take some downtime. Uh, still working on fixing a couple of things around here. And then also uh, enjoying the hobby part of it. Uh, some nice stuff has come in, and I've had some fun with it. Plus, I got shiny gold cards, Dave. Ooh. Shiny gold cards. Ooh. I know, Shiny right? No gold cards. I know, right? It's got the. It uses the uh, the foil dufex, which is one of my favorite things. If you if it's done properly, because it does the. It's quite it does, nice. That's a quite nice card. I honestly feel that you know if you blink, it, it looks like religious art. Well, you know, it's it's, it's like this is the, this is the closest thing we've got. It's like worship it, worship <laughs> it. It's like. Otherwise, it's like, nah, Nietzsche's right. God's dead. Moving on. You need to get a big one and put it on the back so everyone sees it, you know, during this podcast or the other live streams that you do. It it could be a thing. But anyway, this version, uh, this is the gold version number to nine. So number to the jersey number. So there you go. It works out. It works out. It's it's a good one. I I do enjoy still picking up, but I did run some numbers because part of the enjoyment of the collecting thing is, yeah, picking up the acquisition and doing all that stuff is wonderful. but But I do enjoy running my stats and looking at my numbers and all that. 
And I will say, like, uh, as I've moved along, I knew that over time I was going to get to that stage where I was going to start really making some progress. And I've taken a lot of the collection and I've divided it into these little five-year windows just to kind of get a sense because Medano had a very long career. Mm -hmm. And the thing with a long career is that, well, you can break it up into these pieces and look at it over the course of when playing days and then post-playing days, they would still keep making cards. This is still a playing days card, so this one counts towards that first part. But the first couple of years, because and as a testament to the way manufacturing went in the 90s, it ramped up as you got to the later 90s and the 2000s. So they produced more and more and more cards as you went along. But out of the first five years, I have nearly 90% of all the cards that exist. But, wow. But that's only about 200 cards, which means I have 184 of them. So mathematically, that's about 90%. Still very impressive. Still very good. Um, the next five years, it ramps up to 800 cards. So it's four times, a factor of four over the next five years compared to the previous five years. Well, out of that, I have 82%. So I'm closing in on 85, 90% of that. So Sweet. now more impressive. But even the one that comes after that, where it balloons again now to 1,500 cards over the early part of the 2000s, from 2000 to 2005, I'm approaching 50% of that. So it's like even as, as we're going. So for the first 15 years of his career, I've got the vast majority of the cards that are out there. Impressive. Yeah. So that those are the little area. But that gives you a little a little side quest, a little specific area to focus on. Because for me, I'd like to get the first two to 90%, which is more than doable because the other one is basically there and get the other one above 50% because it's very close to that as well. And with that, I would have a very dominant position with the majority of the, uh, of the playing day stuff. So it's like, Hmm, interesting. Very they don't call you a super collector for nothing, Carlos. It's, it's, it's what you got to do, Dave. It's what you got to do, but you find ways to interchange them. It's little stuff like that. Like I said, do I need to run those kind of statistics? Not really. Does it change anything? Not really, but is it something that adds a little enjoyment to me? And it doesn't cost me anything to play around with the spreadsheet and look at those numbers and no, give myself sure. a target. Randomly so, speaking, how many uh, one of ones do you have? I actually got asked this the other day. So I had no idea. I was trying to figure it out. Um, I did do a little bit of a count. I think I've got them all. I think I counted them all accurately. I want to say about 20 or 25. It might be a little bit more, but 20 or 25 sounds about right to me. Any of those you pull? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. They're one of ones. I know. I'm just curious. <laughs> no, I've never I know that's unlikely, but you know. Yeah, I've never pulled a one of one in any for of anybody in any product. What's the What's the closest like the rarest card you've pulled? Oh, maybe like out of twenty five, out of ten, something like that. But I don't. I don't really open a lot of product. That's the other. Yeah. Thing. No, it's true. That, so it's like you, especially so, now once we see the prices of the product. Listen, Dave. I, I was I was told that you were going to be. I I happen to know that um, that some some new uh, Champions League uh, product is coming out. So it's like I, I is was there Mbappe? Of course, there's Mbappe. How could there not be Mbappe? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Topps Chrome Mbappe. Just all Mbappe all the time. Literally every card is Mbappe. I might have to get some Topps Chrome Mbappe. If you know, I feel like it's the right thing to do. Like I said, as you know, as you know, the pretentious cross country running, you know, enthusiast that you are. I'm disappointed that you were Carlos. Today, I'm going to crack open a case of Topps Chrome Champions League, and then next week, Topps Chrome Mbappe. My family will also be eating ramen noodles for the rest of the decade. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Good thing I, George like carbs. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that'll be fun. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens down the line. Like I said, for me, uh, a lot of it is just uh, enjoying. The uh, enjoying the diversion, let's put it that way. I, I've right. been enjoying that. And the other thing that I've gotten into, and it'll be a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole, I'll give you this one right off the top, and then we'll get into the first couple of topics. Um, I've been, I do like my YouTube rabbit holes, and one of my passions, long time already previously established, is the watches. Yes. So I've been looking to see if there's any good watch content for me to check out. Obviously, there's the videos and reviews and stuff like that. That's pretty standard fare, pretty standard stuff. But I've started to get into a couple of different uh, YouTube. Um, folks that own businesses that have decided to go the more vloggy route. So I was like, oh, nice. Okay. So like day in the life, week in the life kind of thing. And yeah. I'm like, okay, all right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So one of the ones that I've, I've started catching on to and now I've started watching some episodes is a, is a guy named uh, Timepiece Gentleman. So the Timepiece Gentleman, that's the business. I like that. I like that name. Yeah. They're based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, interesting dude. I, I did watch the video though, where he gave his background and I, it was kind of interesting. Apparently, um, 
you know, he had, uh, you know, he and his uh, twin brother were adopted or something like that. He and his brother were adopted. He he actually gave a, it was like a 30 minute video and he gave a little rundown explaining how he ended up uh, becoming a dealer, gave a little background on it. Um, And then as as he grew up, he, uh, he kind of uh, tried to, tried to basically make money as a young guy, do a couple of things and he was able to succeed. But then, you know, without spoiling too much, he basically ended up in prison twice. Uh, even as a young guy, and then had a kid, and then having the kid and having been in prison twice, he goes, okay, maybe I need to figure out another way to do this so that I can I can not end up in prison repeatedly and be able to like live my life. And he still seems like he's a fairly young guy. Um, it's funny, though, because he's got his business, and the business is apparently doing pretty well because now they're, they've targeted, I want to say, like uh, $40 or $50 million in sales for this year. Wow. So they're like do- so they're like doing pretty well, uh, and they're getting new retail space and stuff, and they're buying high end stuff. So like so, like a bunch of the watches they do are like two hundred and fifty thousand dollar pieces. Nice, like serious stuff. So apparent, so they are making some money. But it is fun to see like the behind the scenes because in the in the vlog style, they take you behind the scenes and talk some deals, hang out with other dealers, chatting about business and doing all this stuff, talking to clients where where the client is comfortable being on camera, yeah, and, ha- and talking through some of those deals and doing that. Um, but the vlog episodes are like an hour and a half to two hours each. So it's literally a week in the life where the guy with the camera is following him around and they're doing okay, all yeah. the different stuff. So you're getting a much greater sense. So it's it's uh, it's kind of a fun set of episodes that I've been watching. And I'm like, okay. And they're about maybe 16 or 17 episodes in. They're doing one every week. Um, so I'm like, okay, that's cool. And good long okay. episodes. So I'm like, okay, nice. And then a lot of a lot of traveling. Because if you're in that kind of business, it's like, okay, so I'm going to go buy a watch. I'll be in Miami. <laughs> I got to go to Miami, fly out, go to Miami, then go over to San Diego, then do business with this, that, and the other thing. And in the last yeah. episode, he interviewed a young guy who is part of the, his family business. Um, his family business, his uh, his dad started a jewelry store with his mom. And this was like 15 or 20 years. This was like 25, 30 years ago. And over the time, they modernized it. But now they basically, in San Diego, I believe it is, they like own the majority of like, you know those, uh, you know those uh, Asian malls? Yeah, got all the store. Well, they basically own two floors of the Asian Mall. Like the store is two floors of the Asian Mall all the way around. So, and and the guy's like, it's like, well, if you don't mind me asking, how much business do you do, like in inventory and stuff like this? He goes, well, we're about half a billion. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they own two floors in the mall, (laughs) not two shops, two floors. See, the, the, big difference, big, big difference. difference. Yeah, big, big difference. difference. Yeah, because uh, because they do high end jewelry and stuff, and then uh, uh, gold, and they'll make you like custom, custom chains, custom bracelets, custom. And you know the price of gold has gone up. Like mm-hmm. Gold, gold is very expensive. That's why I chuckle. It's like it's like maybe it's like clearly I should have gotten into I should have gotten into grabbing more uh, more of the uh, the Mister T gold chains because uh, because oh, really? my dad because my dad was uh, buddies with a jeweler and he's I th- he still is basically obviously they're not doing the flea market and stuff anymore but he runs a regular jewelry store and then they do the flea market on the weekends okay. so they do a lot of stuff and like in the family we, we've got a lot of the we've got a lot of our smaller chains anyway for years but I just laugh I was like we should gotten more chains. <laughs> <laughs> I go senior. We should have had more chains. We should have. Yeah, it's like we would be doing all right with the gold Scott, alone. Yeah, exactly. Just go to the Mister T. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, that's all right. It's all good. But I did find it funny. I do enjoy, like I said, I enjoy the watch content, and I do enjoy they incorporate a little bit of jewelry content as well because it's interesting. It's an interesting world. It's very different because you got the gold guys, you got the diamond guys, you got the watch guys. They all operate in a similar vein in the same general idea. But it is a little bit, and it's a very different world where you imagine working in a business where someone can walk in and go, all right, so how much you want for it? It's like, ah, best I can do is 50 grand. Ah, you know, would you take 45? Ah, 47.5. Deal. It's like, what do you want to do? Ah, cash good? Yeah. Well, when he went in to buy, a, buy from one of the guys, it was a, it was a, it was a client, and the guy gave, and the guy sold him like eight watches, and they're like all Rolex, 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 Rolex. And when they added up, it's like, all right. So I think based on what we agreed on, uh, he, he quickly scans through his phone for his notes, and he goes, um, "107 is I think what we came to." And he goes, "Yep." Uh, so okay, so you want cash then? He goes, "Yep." Brick, <laughs> brick. Yep, brick. <laughs> and I'm like, no kidding. Different world, man. I told you I got it the wrong business, Dave. I should I should have gotten the I should have gotten the high end watch dealing. I could have done I could have done my behind this like it's like Carlos, where are you? 
Ah, uh, I'm in Bangkok. Got to do, got to do a little bit business, and then I'll swing by Malaysia, and then I'll. Do you want me to pick you up anything while I go to Abu Dhabi? Then you too could be, you know, a, a, a limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. It is what it is, Turbo. It is what it is. Indeed. Yep. So there you go. So, uh, which thing do you want to touch on first? Let's let's go. Let's get right into it, and let's go the pretentious cross country running report. Look at you. So this one is like it's it's an okay ver- like let's be fair the last pretentious cross country running report is like the high watermark of greatness. I'm not sure we'll ever be able to top that. No, in no. anything. No, no. Like when I deliver the pretentious cross country running report, then you know it's serious. Now it's like, but you know, we, we'll we'll attempt. You know, the pretentious cross country running report with Dave Turnbull. <laughs> The important thing is like a real professional, Rolling Ronaldo, still brought it. It's true. He brought it just the same, regardless of who's delivering it. He brings it every single time. Indeed. And I appreciate that. All right, Carl. So I bring you more Super League drama because hashtag save the Super League. Got it. All right. So first of all, uh, nine. So this was right. There were 12 clubs originally. We've, we've gone through them, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. reiterate that. But the nine clubs that aren't named Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus, mm-hmm. who are main rebels. Basically, basically everybody who's every, everybody who's British and everybody who is is not on the verge of bankruptcy. Please. Continue. Pretty much. Pretty much uh, have said we have committed. This is this is the ridiculousness of how this gets even more ridiculous. So basically, they've, they've done their mea culpa based on, you know, all the fan protests, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a couple, was it last week? Fans invaded the pitch at Old Trafford in Manchester yeah, it was, United it was, Stadium. It was just this past week, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically they had to not forfeit the game, but they rescheduled the game between them and Liverpool. It did not get played. Mm-hmm. But now um, all nine clubs have to forfeit 5% of the revenue they get from UEFA for one season. That's That's something they've agreed to. All right. They've also said that if they if they try and break away again, they agree to pay. Now, this is such a weird thing. Like, why would you I don't know why you would agree, because I don't think this will ever be enforced. But they're like, hey, if we do it again, uh, we agree to pay 100 million euros and um, they're going to combine uh, 15 million euros to some children's grassroots football groups. Mm. So that's that's what they've agreed to with UEFA as their mea culpa. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. um, apparently there are all six English Premier League clubs are going to get fined by the English Premier League, although that's not necessarily uh, set in stone as in terms of what that's going to be, the amount. Right. So they've kind of settled that. They're like, okay, we're going to take a hit on this, uh, even though you know a couple of them may not be playing in Europe next year anyway. But then Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus are like, we're going to sue you. We're going to sue everybody. Uh, we're going to sue everyone. We're going to sue UEFA. We're going to sue the other clubs for leaving the Super League after saying they were going to do it. They're threatening legal action, like, big time. And, yeah. So, we'll see what happens. They're like, the Super League is still going to happen. We will, you know, do what we have to do here. Let me read you Let me read you the quote because it's uh, it's just so dumb. But it's I want to also- say, say something important before you say the quote. Originally, I was a bit lukewarm on this, but now that they're suing everybody, I'm 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 a little bit more in Dave, because you do know I love the salt. We discussed this already. Like I know it's like, and I've decided to upgrade. By the way, I've decided to upgrade my own standing and my own title in this regard. Okay, I am now the patron saint of salt. Okay, I am elevating myself to this. Like, look, if you don't believe me, look. It's true. I also have a feeling there might actually be an existing patron saint of salt, but uh, I don't care. I've taken it over. You know, it's mine now. I'm going to check that out as we go on. But please continue. Here's your here's your quote for more salt. Mm. The founding clubs have suffered and continue to suffer unacceptable third party pressures, threats, and offenses to abandon the project and therefore desist from their right and duty to provide solutions to the football ecosystem via concrete proposals and constructive dialogue. This is what. The the Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus put out together. I'm this it. is ready. Hold on. This is better. This is intolerable under the rule of law. Yes, I support everything about this. 
I am uh, one. I, I hashtag cosign. Can I can I cosign? Can I be yep. any clearer about this? Cosigning. Would you, would you would you like to get the rest of it too? There's more. But wait, there's more. We are fully aware of the diversity of reactions to the Super League initiative and, consequently, of the need to reflect on the reasons for some of them. We are ready to reconsider the proposed approach as necessary. However, we would be highly irresponsible if, being aware of the needs of a systemic crisis in the football sector, which led us to announce the Super League, we abandoned such mission to provide effective and sustainable answers to the existential questions that threaten the football industry. There you go, Carlos. I brought in existentialism into the Super League talk. Good job by you. As Carlos brings in his existential book. Let's just say the philosophy reading has been good. So I'm trying to get it. But uh, yes, no, I, I like every aspect of it. Um, I would like to see this continue. I would like additional lawsuits. And like I said, I would like someone to get fed up and blow up and blow up one of the stadiums. And by you know, honestly, I, I I hate to think this, but it may actually be heading this way, right? Because it seems like Barcelona at this point, you know, the English Premier Leagues are like fine, clubs are like you know got their heads hanging. The other Italian clubs, we accept it. We're sorry, although how sorry they really are, you know, I don't know. But you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus are like, nope, we're gonna the Super League will happen. I don't know with who, you know, you can't really have a league with three teams, but hey, you know what? The CFL had eight, had nine, you know what I mean? That is a terrible example. We can't use defunct leagues. They're not officially defunct yet. <laughs> it's okay. The WHA is holding on to it by a thread too. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's what we got, man. Love there's, it. There's, there's your Super League update, which continues to provide you the drama that you love, Carlos. The patron saint of salt approves. I approve this message. And now you have it. Can we make that a regular feature too? Maybe. I'll think about it. My patron saint of saltage is is critical. I did do a little Google. You'll have to see if you can find something else. Apparently there's a patron saint of Polish salt miners. That is tremendously specific. I, I feel my authority supersedes that. So I think a patron saint of salt miners is like an under patron saint underneath my uh, purview. I feel that's fair. So I'm like I'm like the supervisor. Um, he can operate in that specific fiefdom. I'm willing to I'm willing to cede um, being the patron saint of Polish salt miners. You know, I'll delegate yeah. that. That's fine. But I'm here to overview the general salt. Yeah, I think I think that based on my my thing, yeah, you got you you. I think you're gonna take it, Carlos, because salt miner like salt is above just a specific aspect of salt. So yeah, you're... I'm just salt in general, man. There you go, just general. So there there we have it, miss. Yeah, metaphorical and real salt. This the Super League drama continues. Just when you thought it was over, it's not. And Carlos is the patron saint of salt. Love it. I feel that uh, I feel that we're all better served. Now, you have some NHL talk that you would like to go through. I do. Nice name change. I feel, can we keep that on forever now? No, not forever, but uh, while we're doing this podcast, yes. All right. I wish wish to be properly acknowledged by my proper title. All right. Carl Snellinger, Carlos. Does I have to call you Patron Saint of Salt, too? I think it would be very long. Or can I refer to you as Carlos, Patron Saint of Salt? Oh. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll work on the cadence. We'll work on the appropriate verbiage. Fair enough. Um... But anyway, the important thing is that, yes, uh, there's really two things. I do enjoy a good story, and in the sense of NHL, like, the most of most about this year, I really don't care what's been going on, because it's like, whatever, it's fine. You know, the game's been happening. But I do think it is noteworthy that in a 56-game season, we have a 40-goal scorer, which is very impressive, and Austin Matthews out of Toronto. That's pretty good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and I think he did it in, like, 49 games, so that's pretty good, uh, especially in the modern era. Um and then the other one is that still in play is that it, it'll be interesting to see if Connor McDavid can get to 100 points, uh, which he's uh, he's got 96, so he's still on track it's to quite do possible. that. Yeah, so he's got some games left still to be able to achieve that. He's got a game tonight as well, so that's kind of what the hockey world is tracking. And he's been playing very well with multi-point games. I'm not a huge Connor McDavid fan, but I do have to appreciate 100 points in like around 50 games. It's it's tremendous. Yeah, he's got four games left to do it. So yeah. So it's one of those things like literally he needs to average a point a game for what's left. Which is quite possible. Or just have like a big game, you know, one big game. 
Well, the reality though also is like, possible. Yeah, absolutely. But the other thing is like, have you have you kind of caught what his uh, recent um, uh, what his recent performances have been? No. So leading into this, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I want to get this uh, set up here for us. Okay, so recent performances. Um, so these are so going back to April 29th. So these are his last five games. Okay. okay. So in Calgary, uh, he was a minus one with no points. Okay. So I was on April the 29th. Then on May the 1st in Calgary, one goal and two assists, three points. May 3rd in Vancouver, two goals, four assists. Sorry, two goals, two assists for four points. May 4th in Vancouver, two assists. May 6th in Vancouver, two days ago, three assists. Yeah. So it's been four four straight games of multi-points. So? I mean, if he keeps that pace up, he's got it easy. Well, he, he literally only needs a point a game, so it's uh, so it's like uh, so it's like uh, it's, it's, I, I'm not going to call it a fade to complete, but chances are good. Chances are really good. Absolutely, so, there. So could very well be. It is funny though. I did have a good chuckle because some folks were talking about it. because to me that's very impressive, especially in the modern era. It's very impressive because uh, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, Kucherov had a really good run with 100 points in about 62 games. So this would be even more impressive uh, with McDavid because no matter what, there's 56 games in the season. So it's going to be more. It's going to be less games and 100 points. Um, And that was that achievement a couple of years ago was the fastest to 100 points since Mario Lemieux in the mid 90s. So because it's been a while, like guys get over 100 points, but it's still like we're talking like sub 60 games, which is really impressive. But I did laugh that some people, there always has to be those guys, that guy uh, who's like, well, Gretzky did it in 34 games. You mean while well, you mean during the video game era? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's, it, it was a very different style of hockey in those days. So it's like, it doesn't really count. It is a little bit more, it is a little bit of a Will Chamberlain thing uh, when you do that, where they're like, oh, but it's a different era. It's like, it literally is a different era. Literally a different era. And very statistically dominant in that era, full value for that, but it's not the same thing. In the current era, 100 points in sub-60 games, really good. Real good. Yeah, nice. Yep. So I wanted to just take a moment and uh, and point that out and kind of uh, emphasize it because, like I said, I, even as a guy who just kind of casually is watching here and there, I, I give I give some props where I'm seeing some statistical impress because I have to I have to factor it in the era we're talking about. Understanding the era we're in, I am impressed. 100 points still means something, and 100 points in basically you're looking at just shy of like a two-point-a-game pace. Yeah. No, that's I real mean, good. Absolutely. Like that's I think real anytime good. you have these sort of like huge numbers, given the fact that it's a shortened schedule, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't deny that. The real question will be long-term because uh, it's one of those things. McDavid is a young guy, and here's the thing. Uh, here's the crazy thing about this, about this whole deal. Um, do you know how old Connor McDavid is? 20 something? He is in his 20s, yeah. I don't know. It's like 24? Yeah, he's 24. He was born in 1997. Yeah. But here's the thing at 24, he has, you know, he's on the cusp of 100 points this season. And in his young career, he, has, he already has three 100 point seasons. That's, imp- yeah. That's and a 97 point season in between. Respect, man. Yeah, so it's like in the current era, like I said, we'll see. He's still a young guy. Now in Edmonton, they're they, we got to see something in the playoffs is really what it comes down to. That's Absolutely. kind of the one the one piece of this puzzle missing. But yep, for sure, as a young guy, he is setting a very high 565 points in 403 games career. That's real good. Mm-hmm. That's real good. So we'll see. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I will watch from afar. I'm not going to pick up any cards because they're already expensive as all hell. You, you, I, mm. I've seen, I've seen some of those ones. Mm. Yeah, I like, I, I think that's a sound effect that should just go with every time we talk about anything sport card related. Yeah, well, not everything, but a lot of things. Well, pretty much everything. Yeah, especially these days, especially these days. But there you go. So I just, I wanted to bring a little hockey content. We are in Canada. I've been told we must at least once in a while acknowledge the sport. Exactly. Of you, you have to, you have to mention it just to say, hey, yep, yep, we're still Canadian. We get it. And okay, we have, now and we have done thing. that. On to the next thing. Indeed. So, did you have it? That was it for. Do you have it? That was it for the hockey stuff. Just the two things. I mentioned. Yeah, the Austin Matthews thing with the forty okay. goals is very impressive too. Like that is also very impressive. Perfect. 
Um, yes, absolutely yeah. it is. I didn't need to drag it out. Like, we've acknowledged it. Canada has been appeased. Let's move All on. All right. So we're going to start a new segment on the podcast now, Carlos. What do you got? It's called Sports Mount Rushmore's. It does not have a fancy uh, title or intro. Mount Rushmore, yet. Rushmore, Rushmore. Dave made up the list. Carlos is going to make shit up. Can we, can we just say that? Actually, let's change it and say our new segment is Dave made the list. Carlos is going to make shit up. Yep. Actually, because I and that covers that so much can, ground. That covers exactly, so much ground. Exactly. So ne- next time we do this, because we're only going to go through one this week, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to call it that. Phenomenal. Write it down. Make sure you so, do that. Make so sure I'm you gonna, do. That. I'm actually going to. I'm going to. So all right, I'm making it. I'm making it right now. Correct. As you should. This, this right, is how. Carlos, this is how would you like to pick things. the sport that we talk about, though? Nah, I have surprised me. Doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> Um, so we've already had our, we've already had our, uh, you know, our hockey chalk for this week. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go in a, in a different thing. Actually, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to like, maybe not what you expect sports stadiums. Mm. All right. And now I made a, made a, a caveat in this. Mm. Okay. For me, for my list, because there's so many sports stadiums and, and whatnot. And so many sports, yeah. You know, about things that I would, I'd like to go to or could like go to. So what I did for my list was I did things that I could have gone to in my lifetime. Okay, so all these, all these stadiums, only one of which I've actually been to, but they have all, all either currently being used or existed uh, in my lifetime. So it is possible that I could have gone to it and and you know seen a game and remembered it. But okay, so basically, so basically, the polo areas. grounds is out. Yes, because that would have been that would have been on the list. But the polo grounds is out. Yes, it would have. Uh, right. So, yeah, man, polo grounds. Oh, you know, or like any. But like the but like the historical polo grounds, like the one with the weird dimensions and like the one this... that had like a five center field was like five hundred feet and yeah. like the right right and left field line was like under two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, that that there was a I think it was I can't remember what game it was like 2005 MVP baseball or something it was a PlayStation two game. And it was and it was the only game that I've ever owned where you could play in the polo grounds. Like it was one of those you could, you know, if you did certain certain things in the game, you could earn stuff to like buy stadiums or players or whatever. Not actually with actual money, but one of the stadiums you could get was the polo grounds. And it would just like do a home run derby at the polo grounds and just pull everything and just crush it every time. Yep. It was fun. All right. So um, I also have done these in no particular order. I mean, I wrote them down in an order, but they aren't in any particular order. Okay. Uh, so I will give you uh, the the first thing I wrote down, the original Yankee Stadium. Now, do you okay. want to comment on these? Do you want to – or you just want me to go through the list? Okay, tell you what. Gonna... Do me a favor. Go through the list first, and then we will – and then I'll comment on them. So the original okay. Yankee Stadium, meaning before the last set of renovation – well, actually, let's correct ourselves. So the one that existed prior to it being torn down for the new Yankee Stadium. Correct. Yeah, because yeah. It, because obviously it's gone undergone several renovations. It would have been the last iteration prior to new Yankee Stadium. Yep. Okay. And that is the only one on this list that I've been to. Correct. All right. Uh, number two, I have Lambeau Field. Yep. Number three, I have the Americana, which is the b- main soccer stadium in Rio de Janeiro. And in number four, I have the Montreal Forum. Hmm. Again, before obviously the uh, yeah. yeah. So so obviously Yankee Stadium is no longer in existence. It's been it's actually been demolished. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal Forum is still in existence, but it's not being used obviously as a hockey arena anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lambeau Field and the Maracana are still both very much in use. Okay, now here's the question. I'll I'll work with your caveat. So obviously Lambo, no question there, and that's going to be on my list. So that's an easy one. Um, now are these are these what you consider the best, or are these considered the ones that you would want to visit? What's the deal with this? Uh, no, I would say why well, in terms of like obviously because you can put your caveats and whatever. I would say like these are ones that are that are I think yeah, this is what I put that that are held in reverence. And if I could go to a game there, you know, in that sport because I picked obviously four different sports. That's the stadium. If I could only go to one game in one stadium, that's the stadium I would choose. Okay. Okay. So that's why I, that's why I wanted to clarify. I wanted to make sure I understood. 
what we were getting at with that. Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, my other lists, when we get to those in other weeks, may have different caveats, but hey, they're my list, so I can do that. I see. I see. But that's that's what I decided for this is to say, okay, if you can only go to one one game in a stadium, uh, where would you want to go? Mm-hmm. And so obviously I picked, uh, you know, I picked a couple from that existed obviously in my lifetime that I, I could, you know, if I, feasibly, if I had gone, obviously I went to Yankee stadium. I remember that. Uh, but the Montreal forum, it is very feasible that I could have gone there and remembered going to a game there. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's where I'm at that. All right. Sounds fair. So I'm now gonna... are you going to give me your list and then we can talk about why, or how do you want to, you want to go through there? Or do you want me to tell you why I have each one on the list? Tell you what, why don't we start off with you telling, uh, give the why, go ahead and start. Let's start with that. And then we'll talk through it a little bit. And then after that, I will proceed to kind of share my list with everybody as well. All right. So I think that, I think the Yankee stadium is just, it's the reverence and the history of Yankee stadium and the original Yankee stadium and everything that's happened there, but also all the people who have played in that stadium. Right. And to see a game and to be in sort of, it's kind of like hollowed ground in terms of baseball terms. Uh, obviously, there are other great stadiums, two of which are still with us, right, in terms of Wrigley Field and, and Fenway Park. Uh, you know, I never got the – it's weird. I've, I've, I've watched a game at Fenway, but I never felt that watching the game. I did do a tour later and felt more of that vibe having done the tour on a different trip to Boston. But Yankee Stadium with, you know, uh, Monument Park and, and just everything in the history. There's just There was just a different vibe going into that building mm-hmm. and watching a game there. And, and and taking part in knowing, you know, everything that's gone before you in this stadium. Uh, obviously, there have been some updates, you know, since it was built, but that was there. Uh, Lambeau Field, because it, I feel there's, there's, you know, my love of cold weather football, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there is something, something to be said about, you know, the frozen tundra. Right. And, and even though, you know, Green Bay isn't the winningest franchise uh, in terms of Super Bowls, uh, in and I'm not counting. I'm I'm going to say for the purpose of this conversation, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though it's not in, in the record books. But we're going to go with that, uh, right? There there is something about you know the the first Super Bowl going to Green Bay and Vince Lombardi, and but it's also the way that you know Green Bay is a small town, and and how everything is geared towards Packer football and how that community embraces Packer football. And, and the, you know, the aura of those games, I'm not a Packers fan, uh, you know, but I, I want to go there mm-hmm. and that's, that's on my list. And hopefully one day in my life, I, I go there with you, mm-hmm. uh, for the Americana, uh, you know, I'm a big pretentious cross country running fan. And so I was saying, okay, where would I go for a game? Right. Cause there's lots of, you know, individual stadiums and, and things. And I was saying, well, do I really want to go to, you know, Arsenal, their stadium? Cause that's, I haven't been there. But mm-hmm. I've been to some stadiums in Europe, and I've been to, you know, three. And, and I was like, yeah. But I was saying, you know what? Honestly, the reverence of Nash, I like national soccer, like national teams playing, and the reverence of how much soccer means to people in Brazil and and how good that team has been and how many World Cups they've won in a variety of iterations. Mm-hmm. That that being the stadium, you know, to see a Brazil game in the Maracanã or even a World Cup game there uh, is something that, that I think would be really special. And then the Montreal Forum, again, you know, the history of that building and everybody who's come through it and the fact that Montreal are the winningest, you know, they won more Stanley Cups than any other team and and all that's come through that building and, and everything, you know, and I think part of it is like I've watched, I have a DVD set that's, you know, classic games in Montreal Canadiens history and the majority of that set, I think maybe everyone except two in that set is is in the Forum. And, you know, like Richard, like you just, you just, I, 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 I could name tons of other people, right? Like Guy Lafleur, you know, Ken Dry, like you name all the people that have played for Montreal and have played in that building. And even obviously the other legends of the time that have played in that building, the Stanley Cups that have been won there, the games that have been played there, all that stuff, right? Is just for, for someone who isn't a huge hockey fan, but is a, a fan of Montreal, that that would have been really special to have been able to see something there that is a really long way of saying poutine <laughs> that was a really really very elaborately long way of saying poutine like i heard it i was like oh that that sounds really good and all i heard at the end is like so what you're saying is poutine something like that yeah you know we got the gist we got the gist we, we that's fair that's fair mm-hmm. 
All right, so those are my four. All right, so I'm going to pick my four. These are not, to me, the greatest arenas, but in a similar-ish vein, they're going to they're four that hold a significance to myself that I would include. Some of it's going to be obvious. Some of it's not going to be so obvious. We'll have a little fun. Oh, and sorry, before you say that, Go ahead. I would like to know that the per- there's one stadium that's not on the list, uh, and there's a good reason it's not on the list, is because it's literally the most overrated thing ever. And that's Madison Square Garden. Who cares about us this word? And I've um, been there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, if I'm going to go to New York, I'll, there's a lot of things I would visit in New York. Madison Square Garden is not high on that list. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm not busy and someone wants to pay for it, then great. Otherwise, it's like, eh, it's fine. Anyway, so first one. I covered a couple of different sports. Uh, I didn't have to do it that way, but I decided, what the heck? Why not? We'll have a little fun. I'll do it that way. Okay. So what I'm going to do first is let me grab this one uh, here. Perfect. All right. First one, Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. This is the original home of the Dallas Stars when they started uh, through the time that they won the Stanley Cup, went to the Stanley Cup in, in 2000, and when the team had their sustained run of success. Basically, you know, not directly because the arena obviously existed, but indirectly the house that Mike Medano built. Fair enough. So that's right. Um, I, I save it for the patron sanctum time, but uh, but I still needed the reference. But uh, the point is, I would love to have attended a game with that team in their prime. And much like Dave's long, uh, long, you know, Putin explanation, you know, you just think of all the greats that that the greats there: Jamie Langenberger, Richard Madvichuk, Benoit Hogue. See, I thought, you, I thought you were going to go on a different example and say this is really just a year-long way, winded way of saying Taco Cabana. Well, this is pre, this is pre-Taco Cabana days. Taco Cabana is was the was the revival of the Dallas Stars from the doldrums of the post-Medano era. We had, like I said, if Richard Madvichuk wasn't enough for you, if Guy Carboneau was not enough for you, if Benoit Hogue was not enough for you people. Jamie Langenberger, not enough for you people. Well, of course, you got Medano. You got Brett Hall. You got Ed Belfour. Ed Belfour probably attacking someone, chasing them down the ice. Like, these are the things you could have, these are the memories you could have made at Reunion Arena while Ed Belfour is getting dragged off by the cops, offering to bribe them with a billion dollars if they let him go. Gotta love it. And a, a, a great connection. The last game played at the Forum was against the Dallas Stars. There you go. Once again. That Dallas Star team of that era gracing another inferior stadium with the Reds. <laughs> Wonderful. Splendid. So that is the first one. Obviously, right. a bit obvious, but, you know, we have to include it. Second one, also kind of obvious, So, but we'll stick, We'll take care of the obvious ones first. We got to have it on there. And uh, while you were giving your explanation, that also gave me the opportunity to grab an image. So I believe this is the right one. Got to have Lambo. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. We got our good old Lambo there. Boom. Done. Need I say more? Like... I don't feel like I need to explain this. It's, I don't. I, I think we've covered it, right? Like it's, it's you know, anyone we, who listens to this podcast knows what your love of Green Bay, and you know, I talked about Lambeau Field, so we're good. Yep. Now, next one, I'm going to include a baseball stadium here, and uh, this one is uh, kind of a clear choice for me in this sense as well. Wrigley, gotta love the Ivy. I'm a, I'm a big fan. As a baseball guy, this is one of the classic stadiums that's still out there. Uh, Fenway Fenway was cool. Uh, I was around it a little bit. I didn't get a chance to attend a game to it. But I think I'd be a little more interested in attending a game at Wrigley just because, uh, you know, the, the Ivy there on the on it. It's just has a lot of interesting in the, in the way that it's set up and designed still. And it's sustained. It's one of those stadiums that is still there, uh, kind of mostly intact from kind of the old days. And I do enjoy the the whole having like a hotel uh or having like a building here with like additional seating and random stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's cool. Like Wrigley, this the area around the stadium is really it cool, and it's one of those things that I don't think exists. I shouldn't. I should know this, but I'm pretty like ninety eight percent sure it's the only stadium in MLB that's still in a residential neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right? You. I mean, when we last time I was there, I've been to Wrigley twice. Once to see a game that you know had a nice rain delay. Both times I've seen a game in Chicago. One one uh, got rained out and ended after uh, as if as an official game after four and a half innings, and then there was another rain delay while I was at Wrigley. So it wasn't the greatest atmosphere, but it was still cool. But my uh, wife and I did a tour last time we were in Chicago of Wrigley, and we just parked on a residential street and just walked. It was kind of like going to Tag game, you know, you park on somebody you know in front of somebody's house or in somebody's driveway uh, on lawn, whatever, and then you just walk to the stadium, which is cool. There you go. 
And in, and in this particular part of town, you don't even have to walk by ruins. So you don't you don't get the full Tycat experience, but, you know, you get most of it. It's true. Now, the last one, a critical piece. Allow me to share with you all. I give you the Adelaide Oval. Aussie oh, rules football. God. The home of Port Adelaide. The Port Adelaide power. Now, do they, before you get into this, this, that's cool. Do they also play um, uh, cricket there? Probably. To be honest, given the given the size of the benches of the field, I would be shocked. It would not surprise me. But that is the that is the uh, Adelaide Oval. Nice. Now, why? So here's my question to you. I get why you would put a you know an Aussie Rules football stadium on there. Mm-hmm. Why this one in particular, as opposed to any of the other stadiums in uh, in Australia? Because as you do when you observe a sport, you randomly adopt a team. And I have ah. I've randomly adopted the Port Adelaide Power because, for God's sake, the team name is Power. That's hilarious. I love it. The jokes write themselves, Tribble. The jokes write themselves, damn it. Like, if I have to explain it, I don't know what to say at that point. That's pretty cool, though. I mean. Yep. And it looks nice lit up. It does. It, I, that is a very nice picture that you uh, you posted there. That's all I'm getting at. Like right there, I, I took a little bit of searching. I did a little bit of digging, but I was able to find a nice image of the Adelaide Oval, and there you go. Plus, for God's sake, if you really look closely, you got a you got a little bit of image. You got a, you got a KFC thing here, <laughs> a little KFC logo. I don't know if that's been superposed on there if it's actually in the field. I, in some it. ways, I prefer it if it's on the field. That's great. Me too. Me too. I love everything about it. Like like they're just trying to sell us on this. I'm sold. Just like Carlos, we're calling to you. That's what I'm saying, bro. I can get some. I can get some fucking popcorn chicken and some Aussie rules football. I am in. There you go, man. That's all you need. I hope you understand that once again. I brought it to y'all. I you did. did. It. Finish the Port Adelaide Oval. Boom. Done. Done. There you go. Carlos's hollowed grounds. Mm. Adelaide Oval. I could do worse. Hey. You know, there's a good stadium. So why? So my question for you is, is it the so the one thing I would like to discuss on this, based on on the conversations from yours, is why why is it really is it just the Ivy? Is that the mystique of Wrigley as opposed to any you know like Yankee Stadium? Or, I don't really give a shit. Listen, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I, don't, I, don't give, I don't give a shit about Yankee Stadium. It's uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's garbage ground. It's it's basically like it's you know it's poor man's Hamilton. It's like it's bottom rung of bottom rung. Like, uh, you know, Hamilton, they aspire to be as crummy as Hamilton uh, someday if they elevate themselves. Um, and, and you know my, how highly I think of Hamilton. Um, no, the, the Yankees are evil. Everything they touch is garbage and uh, they should burn. So it's an anti-Yankee thing more than No, no, no. Just no. All right, fair enough. But I mean, Wrigley, Wrigley is a special stadium. It 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 really is. It, it if you're going in, if you're a baseball purist and a baseball history person, um, it is one of the classic stadiums. that's still out there. It's still there. You can still visit. You can still see, uh, and you can kind of look around and be like, "All right, stuff happened here. There was yeah. there's a lot of history here." And I I would say this having I mean obviously I went to a night game because that's what worked at a, for our in our schedule when I was there. But honestly, Wrigley when I took the and it was rainy. When I took the tour, it was a nice day. It was sunny. Honestly, there's something special about Wrigley in the daytime. Well, so if you I notice the, image I, the image I took was a day game. Right. Yeah. The like yeah. It, it, right? And they were the last team in Major League Baseball to adopt electric lights. Yeah. Right? So, And they still have a, a thing that they have to have so many day games a year. Right? Yeah. In their, in their and right, and rightfully so. Because it's a, to me, I think the proper Wrigley experience is a day game. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. So if you can get there and you can get there in the day, go in the day. Yeah, that's like, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna regret going to Wrigley Field. Yeah, some stadiums some stadiums can do in the evening and still work really well. When I when I showed that image, I was looking for a good image. When I showed the image of the Adelaide Oval, that was a night and it looked just it looked beautiful. It looked just fine yeah. the way the way it was lit up, the way it was set up. There's a lot. It's clearly very spacious. So it's like no, it's a stadium. It's a it's an attractive venue. To have a sporting event and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. So there you go. There we go. But yeah, so there's uh, installment one of Dave made a list. Carlos makes shit up. Indeed. I, f- I feel that's that's something. Yeah, it works better that way. It really does. Mm-hmm. So we'll have more and in the coming weeks and more actual Mount Rushmore's. But then who knows? Maybe we'll make some other lists and Carlos will make more shit up. Hey. That's what he does. 
once again, I delivered the Google provided the purveyor of all things done. That's perfect. Anything else I can do for you people? Come on. That's true. So is there anything else you would like to talk about, Carlos? Or shall we just get into some random wrestling? Let's do random wrestling. What else you got? All right. So it's been good. I've been watching a bunch of documentaries. Uh, and this, this a, these A&E biographies are, are uh, quite good. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, if you're watching that. As as are the uh, wrestling memorabilia. Um, the What's it? WWE's Lost Treasures, or whatever they're calling it, mm-hmm. that comes on after. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, my question to you, because one of the things that's coming out there is what sort of in your mind, one of or, or in your a, ma- a, a match that stands the test of time in, in professional wrestling or sports? A match that stands the test of time. You know, like w- when you look back and say if someone's like, Carlos, like, you know, I want to get into wrestling or not like actually do it. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at stuff or I'm into wrestling and I would say, like, what match should I go look up and watch? Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? Well, as an overall match, because it counts as one, if you're talking about, so I'll give you two answers, but it, it'll depend on kind of what you're looking for as far as a match is concerned. All right. Um, if we're talking about top to bottom performance, I'm a big fan of the 92 Rumble match. Uh, that's the one where Ric Flair basically went the distance and perform- and had a great performance. There were a lot of stories and things related to it. Now, if you want to go a little bit closer to modern, uh, something that is a little bit more action-oriented, uh, something like that, then I would direct you, and I'm trying to think of the best one here. Um, I'm inclined to go with WrestleMania 17, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2. That was the Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys? Correct. Yeah. I that actually... was the second one. That was the second yes. one. Not the first one, the second one. This yes. is WrestleMania 17 which to me was like the pinnacle of WrestleManias. Um, it is the high watermark by which the others are measured. April 1st, 2001, 20 years ago. Tables, ladders, and chairs, two. Because it was ridiculous. The first yeah, one was you, very good, but the second one was ridiculous. And you know what's funny is that I've actually watched some of that match this week. Yeah. Uh, you should watch it, the whole match. It's about 15 it, minutes, and it's really well done. It's damn good, man. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I also listened to the podcast where Edge and Christian were talking to Stone Cold about the genesis of that match and where they, you know, mm-hmm. where they came up with. Obviously, they came up with the tables, ladders, chairs one first, mm-hmm. but then what they did in WrestleMania and brought it to that, and it's it's pretty intense, man. And yeah, I would have to agree. Like, I'm not saying it's because I, I don't know obviously as much as you do about wrestling, but it it was a damn good match. Yeah, but the, the, the question was this match that, would, that stands the test of time. That would be an answer. Yeah, that would for be sure. one of the ones I would. Pick. I think that's an appropriate answer too. Yeah, an honorable mention I would give is uh, Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three. Okay. Just because it's a again that goes more under the performance. Because if I go old school wrestling, then I'm going performance more than anything else. If I want to include performance with people basically busting their ass and having to make a very comp, that is a very complicated match to execute. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you mess up. Yeah, for there's sure. There's a lot of opportunities to mess that up. Um, and it's and it's just under 16 minutes, which may not seem like it's that long. And it isn't really in real time. But in practice, they executed a excellent match in that 16 minutes, given the amount of participants, six, and given the amount of action happening through the ring. And the commentary was on point. You had JR and you had Jerry the King Lawler at the peak of their powers. This was, this is considered like the last major show of the Attitude Era. This is before WCW went under. Yeah. So like historically, all the components were in place where this is one of the best matches of that era. And I think it holds up. Fair. I, I think, yeah, well, you know what, based on what I watched this week and what I saw, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, and the ending too, right? Like that, mm-hmm. the fall right before the, before Christian climbs the ladder to get the, the tag, right? There's a tag team belts that are suspended, right? Yeah. Yeah. To get those belts, right? Like his, I mean, that's some of the best storytelling you're going to see, I think, in, 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 in professional wrestling. Yep. So for me, that, uh, that, it, it, was a, it was a pretty easy choice for me, just to, because once you present that question, that's my answer. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's my, there's my wrestling uh, question of the week, if you will. There you go. 
There will always be more, but you know that's what I got for this week. But yeah, I could. I'm gonna check that out. And obviously, I one thing I have not seen. I would like to see the '92 Rumble. I've never actually seen that. And you don't think I've never actually watched a whole Royal Rumble? To be honest with you, they're good. Uh, Some of the classic Rumbles are fun to watch. Uh, Some of them are better than others. The '92, the '90s was a personal favorite. Just I like the concept that's of of the sort of of the pay per views, if you will. Uh, That's definitely one of my favorite concepts. So, like the Royal Rumble as a match. In the and the way it's it, way it works, like I remember when we were back playing. I think it was WWF No Mercy, uh, mm-hmm. with a video game for N sixty four. I don't know if you ever played that. Uh, probably that, a little bit. The N sixty four I didn't play as much as some. But of the that systems, was that but was something that my brother and I like all the time. We'd play. We play when we ever we played like we rarely played just a match when we were mm-hmm. play. We'd you know go in and then we do play Royal Rumble because it was just so much fun. And and the nice thing about that is, you know, once somebody got eliminated, like the next person that came in, you automatically took over that character, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. So I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, Royal Rumble for sure is it in terms of the format is probably my favorite. I will you say, have a favorite uh, in terms of like a, a sort of a type of type of match or since we're I'm bringing this up do you have a favorite in terms of the type of match or a, a pay-per-view or anything like that well uh probably the, to be honest the rumble um because historically like the current rumbles are not as great for me i don't enjoy them as much but the classic rumble i the classic rumble i was a huge fan of it um i was going to bring up for me there's two other rumble games um because they had multiple r- different role rumble video games um there's a couple that I would bring up. Um, there was a Dreamcast Royal Rumble game. Okay. And I and I, I, I thought that one was really well done for the era. And there was also a Super Nintendo uh, Royal Rumble game, which I which I enjoyed. Nice. Wait, I, I, want, I want to see. Was it Super Nintendo? Well, it was Super Nintendo, but I'm trying to remember if it was a Rumble game. Uh, WWE game. I think it was. I think it was literally Royal Rumble. So WWE Royal Rumble. I want to say. Is that correct? Yes, it literally was Royal Rumble. Perfect. It was a 1993 Royal Rumble. Hilarious. Hilarious. Because at that time, you could... uh, So let me give you the lineup of this. Um, Actually, can I do this? Let me see if this would work. Probably can. You're going to see if we can post the screen to everyone? I think I can. I think I can. This is actually the back of uh, of uh, of the case. Ooh. So this is uh, from the Super Nintendo here. It's made by LJN. Um, Nice. So you got so Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, I can't. Okay, just go through them because I can't read them all. Yeah, yeah, I'll read them. Brett the Hitman Hart, Razor Ramon, Randy Savage, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Tatanka, Mr. Perfect, Crush, Ric Flair, Yokozuna, Ted DiBiase, Lex Luger. Not a bad lineup, actually, considering we're talking the 16-bit era. They can't have that many sprites on the screen, but yeah. anyway. Can they, can you, so you can only play as those people? or those? These, the are the, these are the characters you can play as, yeah. That's pretty cool. This is a Super Nintendo era. You're not going to get like 50 people in it. Yeah, but they've uh, got a, it's a good lineup, right? That's a good it, lineup of people. You got Hall of Famers all over this lineup. Like it's strong. It's actually a really strong lineup. And this is 93 this game's from? This is 1993. That's impressive. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of hard to see but here here in this image here in the cor- in the top right corner, you got uh, Razor Ramon about to hit Mr. Perfect with the chair. Nice. Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Love it. I like Love it. it. Good times. Good times. These are the references I bring to people. It's what I do. And we appreciate it, Carlos. Mm. So there you go. Anything else uh, you want me to throw in there, Rad? No, I think we're good for now. I think I think I've I've you know the fix is in for, or for now. If and by fix I mean like the fix on you know getting that information as opposed to actually like reading something. Is that like a Freudian slip where you're like, I, 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 we should talk about the CFL. The fix is in. Wait, so, no, no, be. not what I meant. No, it might, not. it might be. We'll see. I don't know. No, no, not what I meant. I was talking about that. No, I, never mind. I have a CFL list, so that could be next week or not. We'll so see. I'm, I'm saying, I just, I'm just saying, I have questions. Just showing it out there. Just, uh, just thought I would ask. You know. We'll finish. We'll finish. We'll finish with that. I think that's nice. I think that's a nice way to leave things up. Podcast yeah. ends as you just, you know, anyone watching sees the uh, Adelaide Oval. The Adelaide Oval. Be- is what we'll beautiful. 
So that'll be it. Uh, so we'll be we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I will. Uh, I've gotten the last ones up on audio. So uh, on the YouTube channel, you'll get it first, and you get the full benefit of the images. I was able to bring up images of the different uh, arenas and stadiums uh, that I that I selected and picked, including this one here that we're finishing off with. Um, obviously, any any references to wrestling things and stuff like that, it's easier for me to put an image on the screen. So you do get the full effect, the full impact. So that'll be that. Uh, but you can also check it out in audio format. I do clean it up a little bit for you guys, and then hopefully you can do it. I should have the audio version out within a day or two, hopefully. Maybe a little quicker. Depends. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, like I said, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check us out. It is truly unnecessary nonsense because even I don't know what we're going to talk about until we meet up beforehand and figure out what we're going to talk about. So it could always be that, or I could explain that I'm a patron saint of salt and have the... And that's really all you need. You never know. You just, even I don't know. And I'm here. So that is it for myself and Dave. This is episode 95. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.